Welcome to the Climate Hour. I'm your host, Bob Grove. Today, we're going to explore India's perspective on climate change. India has now surpassed China as the world's most populous nation. That's almost one and a half billion people living in an area three times smaller than the United States. To put that in perspective, a person living in the U.S. has on average 12 times as much space as a person living in India. To put that in global perspective, 17% of the entire world's population lives in India. India has the world's third largest carbon footprint after the United States and China. India produces around 2.5 billion tons of greenhouse gases annually. In fairness, on a per-person basis, that's only one-fifth the average emissions of a person in China and one-eighth the average emissions of a person in the United States. But by any metric, India is one of the top three players in creating and reversing climate change. We're joined today on Zoom from India by R.G. Jetty, a nature educator, foliage outdoors, and freelance nature writer. Hi, R.G. Hello, how are you doing? Purnima Agarka is an environmental scientist, secretary of the Indian Network on Ethics and Climate Change, and Sustainability Facilitator at Leia Resource Center in Visakhapatnam and Samachit Embara Tech in Pune. Hi, Pornima. Hi, Bob. Hi, Arjit. You're both based in the state of Maharashtra. Um, that's on the western side of India. I mean, the capital of Maharashtra is Mumbai. Most people are familiar with Mumbai. It has a population of over 18 million. Is that correct? Right. Yes. Right. And Purnima, I know you also do work in Visakhapatnam, and as you said, you you do a lot of that remotely. But you know, a couple times a year, you travel over because that's on the far east side of India. What, what's that journey like from from Maharashtra to Visakhapatnam? It's um, it's it's a full day journey. If if I have to go by flight, then I have to uh, have, like mostly shift to to two aircrafts. So it's it's a layover. Uh, there's a lot of layover time. Uh, very, very rarely we get a direct flight, but the train travel is good. I haven't, I, I didn't get an opportunity to do the train travel travel yet, but the train is better, uh, everybody says. But yes, it is It is 24 hours uh, journey by train. That's a, that's a long journey by train or uh, by air. Yes, and even by, uh, by air, it is almost a full day how does the average person in India perceive climate change? Arjit? Recently, there is a there is an increase in awareness about climate change and uh, due to the role of media and also TV, people do understand like it is the uh, uh, long-term uh, changes in weather, uh, long-term changes in the temperature. But uh, the impacts of climate change are felt by... Uh, all kind of people and that's how unfortunately most of them uh, face it uh, recently there were floods in uh, north india so that was also attributed to climate change so uh, there can be two ways in which uh, you can uh, understand climate change the first is like the definition but the second is actually facing the impacts mm -hmm. and for Neva, i mean the idea that climate change is man-made is that commonly accepted or I mean I know the US we have a lot of climate deniers saying this isn't our fault we can't fix it how, how is that looked at in India 
know in india actually almost 50% people do believe that you know climate change is real and it's happening and a very few of them do uh, do uh, do realize that the, it's it's the human activities and they can see it actually in 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 pune in, in my city we can see the increasing uh, the heat waves that we are seeing water water logging or flooding like local flooding so people have now started relating that to the change in the weather patterns as climate change impacts like it's no more just a natural phenomena but it is something which has been uh, caused by uh, human activities because there is a lot of uh, clearing of forests like local uh, forest or green areas a lot of them are being encroached and are being uh, cut for uh, obviously for uh, more and more infrastructure for roads for houses so it is it is people do realize that and and a lot of people have uh, they 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 can connect it but uh, but if you ask them what is climate change then they may not be able to tell you but if they if you tell them that do you think climate is changing they will say yes it is changing we can see that so but, they do see it as an issue they don't but they don't necessarily understand the science behind it right yes right now g you're you're obviously a science writer and such do do you see the the science i mean the the people of india is there a general understanding of the science within your community or is it is it more difficult than that i think the people who are well read uh, i think they do understand it but uh, it's a bit more difficult to get that point across uh, communities which uh, maybe uh, aren't uh, too well versed with the subject but uh, many uh, ngos and uh, social initiatives uh they are trying to bridge that gap through education and awareness activities so hopefully it will increase in the future the general understanding in the public but uh, there is still a long way to go importantly you kind of touched on the hotter temperatures and the flooding how is india coping with the hotter temperatures right now i mean we're seeing these massive heat waves around the world world setting heat waves um how is india coping with that so uh in india actually uh, in pune we we are like there is no nothing great that is happening but uh, from a, as a city perspective a lot of green buildings or you know a low uh, carbon uh, uh, what do you say infrastructure like climate resilient buildings then passive architecture or you know uh, uh, thermal comfort all these uh, uh, green building concepts are now rising people are looking forward to these uh, kind of uh, eco friendly buildings then the materials but uh, but in in other cities of india like ahmedabad they came uh, came with a heat action plan so the idea is to uh, to understand how is this uh, the heat is you know a uh, uh, heat wave is forming uh, what are the pro- uh, what are the problems associated with like the impacts associated with these uh, heat increase in heat and it is mostly happening in cities because of uh, the the infrastructure because of the concrete that is being used in like everywhere so these uh, so these issues are getting highlighted now so 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 a lot of work is happening for uh, towards buildings uh, like sustainable materials or shifting to eco-friendly uh, eco-friendly housing typologies also uh, people are looking at uh, as i said uh, passive architectural concepts uh, of mm-hmm. cooling rather than you know focusing on air conditioners or uh, or hybrid modules so 
so that that that's happening so in india this, these things are now uh, increasing but a lot of awareness has to still happen because uh, heat waves are still not considered as climate disasters so i think only after 2016 or 20 uh, after 2016 it was like the, the the disaster management agency they thought that you know this this should be looked at as a disaster but it is still not looked as a climate uh, induced disaster so that is there, there is still a long way to go from coping perspective but yes people are now feeling it and they they do talk about it that something has to be done yes and it sounds like some some great changes there in terms of the the passive housing and you know the the modern ecological construction is that being driven by um by agencies by government or is it more the individuals taking action on that so uh, so the government uh, has not made it mandatory it's not a mandate but uh, yeah, uh, but, but yes local organizations are there then individuals are demanding for these housing so we do have uh, some uh, like uh, certifications which are uh, like they they complement with the government schemes like you can get a rebate in tax if your building is a green building or it's a you know a, a low carbon building okay. like so uh, incentives incentives yes. 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 yes 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 incentives yes or mentioned something about you know the the forests and stuff in the cities and stuff argita i mean are you seeing habitat destruction like deforestation such like we see in do you see a lot of that in india yeah so uh, let me open up a news article uh, about this so a report a uk based report says that india lost like uh, 6,68,400 hectares of forest in 5 uh, years from uh, up to 2020 to put that in context only brazil had a higher uh, deforestation so yes wow. deforestation is a huge problem and uh, usually for projects to uh, various industrial projects or uh, setting up factories and those kind of things Uh, it requires government permission and proper approval and uh, impact assessment studies before actually uh, it is allowed so this whole process has been uh, fast tracked currently with the, a new uh, new legislature and due to that actually uh, forests are degraded getting de- degraded in a uh, uh, at a higher rate so uh, this kind of thing is happening on a large scale not only that uh, not just forest deforestation but also grasslands which are a, a very important part of the uh, habitat and ecosystems uh, as they harbor a lot of uh, endemic and endangered animals for example great indian bustard is a very uh, rare uh, bird which is found in these kind of habitats these are uh, all now been converted into agricultural farms and uh, uh, they are not the uh, from the uh, policy level they are not, they are not given any protection as compared to forest so forest act and uh, forest act is there to uh, protect forest reserve uh, to bring the forest under reserve category but there is no such legislature for grasslands uh, it is another problem uh, which needs to be addressed there are now uh, calls from uh, research, uh, from researchers and orga- organizations to uh, even bring grasslands under policy so yeah not just deforestation of forest but also grasslands is happening on a large scale And it sounds like your grasslands are more at risk because there aren't the protections in place for them. Yeah, um, yeah. So both forest and grasslands are at risk, but uh, legally speaking, uh, grasslands need a uh, lot more protection. 
Um, yeah, and you mentioned factories, all the deforestation and grasslands to build factories and stuff. What about food systems in India? I mean, are you growing crops? Is that affecting the environment or do you import most of your food? No, so uh, so yes, a lot of deforestation does happen for agriculture, uh, mm-hmm. like food production. But, uh, but uh, comparatively, it is more for the urban infrastructure and, uh, and industrial, like industrial development, uh, mostly. But we don't, we don't really import a lot of food, uh, but, uh, but a lot of deforestation is happening currently. Like if, if I have to talk about uh, uh, my city specifically, so we are having deforestation at a local level on a massive scale for uh, infrastructure projects uh, uh, around the river banks. So I would just like to add that as Arijit mentioned about grasslands. So uh, these are looked at, uh, looked at as, uh, you know, a wastelands more than uh, uh, ecosystems. That is the problem. And that is why uh, projects like infrastructure projects like uh, uh, riverfront developments, like they are, you know, uh, gaining more and more uh, importance. They don't treat uh, the grasslands as ecosystems. They don't treat the rivers as ecosystems. Uh, and a lot of de- local deforestation is happening in the cities. So the- these kind of uh, projects more, uh, mostly affect deforestation more than agriculture, uh, in my opinion. I know, um, like Brazil and the United States, there, there's very, very large um, beef industry, meat. Um, is that, I mean, there's a perception, India, you're probably more vegetarian, eating a more plant-forward diet. Is that valid, RG? I mean, is, is the cattle an uh, issue within India, like it is in other parts of the world? It's a bit different in India with respect to cattle. So uh, uh, traditionally in Indian culture, uh, cattle are revered. Uh, so, but livestock industry is still big in India. So, uh, we use cattle more for agricultural uh, purposes, uh, like uh, in the farming itself, cattle are used. So, based on how the uh, agricultural waste is dealt with, if it is not properly, uh, if it is not properly uh, covered with uh, landfills, then uh, it uh, there is a recent uh, study which shows that a lot of methane emissions are happening uh, from the livestock industry. But with respect to beef, not too much. So in India, there is a beef ban, but uh, some southern states do have it, but uh, it's not as widespread as it is in the U.S. Okay, so it's a little different. The food system's a little different, different parts of the world. So I understand that. Um, are you seeing, uh, I know, and again, in those parts of the world where we're seeing lots of deforestation and such and, and loss of wildlife habitat, this emergence of new novel viruses coming from the wilderness coast, you know, the animals are being, wild animals being pushed into greater human contact. So we see more, more virus spread. Are, are you getting any of that in India, RG? Uh, yes. So I recently read one paper which talked about some kind of a typhus disease, which uh, was spread uh, through uh, my, uh, some um, animals like some small uh, mites which were more prevalent in grasslands and when grasslands are invaded upon uh, by humans then the what happens is that the probability of human contact with uh, uh, reservoirs of disease does increase uh, and yes uh, yeah so more habitat destruction could lead to more diseases we all already have learned uh, we should have learned uh, i hope a big lesson with uh, covid 
with respect to how uh, more habitat destruction or more human interference in animal habitats could lead to disease because one of the theories of that is uh, transmission of disease through through bats and uh, not just uh, yeah so one part is habitat destruction but also illegal wildlife trade that is also another source through which uh, zoonotic diseases can spread so uh, the illegal uh, meat market uh, which includes bats uh, and many other uh, mammals that also needs to be regulated uh, otherwise uh, we might not be far away from another uh, outbreak of a zoonotic disease are there a lot of um, those illegal animal trades like in bats and stuff? Do you see a lot of those markets in India? Yes. So the Northeast, uh, there is a lot of illegal trafficking of pangolins and other such uh, mammals. So through the borders is how it happens. So yes, it is a mm-hmm. big problem in India. And there are some uh, organizations like Traffic, uh, which uh, monitor and monitor these, these, uh, these trafficking business and also the government is also trying to crack down on this illegal trafficking uh, but yeah it is a problem definitely it uh, it is a it is a one of the sources i think of uh, one of the possible sources of uh, zoonotic diseases because uh, who knows what disease the exotic animals are having uh, absolutely I, I know the you mentioned the pangolins and i know they were kind of implicated in the the spread of covid initially so that that pandemic so that is, that is an issue um pornema are you do you what's your perception on health issues caused by climate change what do you see i think that's a very big topic we, it is. We, yeah so we we recently had a workshop on mental health due to climate change impacts because this information is so overwhelming where especially when you talk about uh, also india and uh, all the things happening all around the world. Uh, like, so, like every time when you hear about this and then the zoonotic uh, diseases, like especially during the time of COVID, uh, it was too overwhelming even for me to, you know, to take this information as to how, how are we going to survive? All right. So similarly, uh, I think uh, health impacts, uh, like psychological health impacts are definitely there. People are experiencing eco-anxiety uh, and, uh, and mental health issues like irritation, irritability. Uh, but that is also because of, uh, I think, increasing like the, the drastic changes in the, in the, uh, the climate. Like a lot of pe- a lot of people cannot really, uh, you know, they don't really like the shifting uh, the the changes in the uh, weather that we are seeing. Uh, like uh, in, in Pune, a normal day looks like in the morning, sometimes it's, it's sunny and sometimes it's raining. In the afternoon, it is it is um, it can be like sunny and in the evenings, it is cold. So, you know, uh, like all the India, India is uh, known for different seasons. Like we have specifically summer for three to four months then we have monsoons, then we have the winter. But now it is like uh, every day we are exper- experiencing all the three seasons in a day. So I, I, I definitely feel it, it, is, it is overwhelming and a lot of people are experiencing uh, uh, health issues. But, uh, but the linkages that, to, to climate uh, change, like to the climate change impacts, I think these linkages are not really happening yet. 
but uh, yes i think heat waves uh, due to heat waves uh, now it is uh, quite evident that people are experiencing cramps heat strokes and uh, headaches so that is uh, there plus um, plus uh, the the mental health issues that uh, i was talking about so yes there are a lot of health concerns uh, are there definitely You know, I think I think we often overlook the, the mental health issues, just the stress and you know the the mental status that we get from all of these different climate crises coming at us. So I think that's an important one to mention. Um, I think I read recently you're having a fairly large surge in dengue fever right now. I mean, just the mosquito population larger than normal. What's happening with that? Dengue is a seasonal uh, seasonal disease which always comes up in monsoon because uh, that is when the mosquitoes breed. And yes, there has been an in increase in the cases lately uh, because because of monsoon and rain there are uh, puddles of stagnant water, but it is as much related to uh, sanitation as compared to uh, the weather also. Uh, but uh, yes, there has been an uh, I have been a victim of dengue myself. a uh, few uh, days back not a good experience uh, <laughs> so yeah I, uh, but uh, i think it can be preventable with better sanitation and ensuring that you don't have like stagnation uh, stagnant water in the house for you may you mention flooding earlier i mean the flooding is obviously going to increase mosquito breeding and such you're seeing in that yes. yes yes there is a rise in uh, uh, like in the vector borne disease mosquitoes ticks and this is uh, this is affecting like everybody like even like uh, in uh, where 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 i reside in my uh, uh, locality we have a river but uh, but because we have encroached almost uh, half of the river so during uh, during summer uh, th there are hybrid mosquitoes you know you have the mosquitoes are no not normal sized mosquitoes they're bigger larger sized mosquitoes uh, which will not uh, you know no 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 pest control will uh, will yeah, help you with that so those kind of mosquitoes are there and uh, and and it is it is it's a very very big issue here in my locality during monsoons also and also during summer so uh, it's only during the cool time like the winter for whatever we have now uh, the winter is only for one or two months Yeah, only on those two three months, I think we are in a good period. Otherwise, uh, mosquitoes are a very big. Archie, what about um, the plant, the um, the plant vegetations in India? How is climate change impacting that? Yes, so I was recently talking to a professor and uh, uh, to, uh, to a scientist I know, Rohan. So he actually worked uh, Rohan Shetty. So he actually worked on uh, climate change effects on plant communities. So. uh what is happening is that uh, in the himalayas because of the glacial melt uh, there is more water available for uh, plants and uh, this is causing the plant line so the uh, altitude set which plant grows plants grow to go up because uh, depending on the uh, because of the less uh, ice and uh, what is happening is that due to glaciers melting uh, there are more plants because it is warmer and it is causing the albedo to uh, reduce so what is albedo is how much sunlight is reflected uh, from the ground uh, at, uh, up to the uh, atmosphere so plants absorb most of the uh, heat and 
then actually it creates more heat in the atmosphere. So this is one impact which is happening. Uh, the other thing which he told, uh, which that uh, which uh, Dr. Rohan said is that uh, uh, due to the increasing global uh, uh, temperatures and especially also temperatures in India, uh, it is it might favor the plants which are more uh, heat resistant or drought resistant. So uh, the species which are more sensitive to cold or more uh, closely linked to the uh, cold atmospheres like pines for example they might uh, suffer uh, uh, these are the few things and another thing which is happening is that uh, due to the uh, so some plants like rhododendron which grows in the himalayan region they uh, have they bloom in the uh, early spring so just before summer march uh, but now due to climate change and uh, even winters becoming hotter they are their flowering time has now been seen even in january which is like a winter month so the flowering pattern is changing uh, now this could cause problems to their uh, pollination and survival because uh, the insects on which they depend for pollination these insects are more active uh, in the spring in winter the insects are not active they are uh, in a state of kind of like hibernation so uh, Due to this early flowering, it might affect the uh, might affect the distribution and survival of these plants, which uh, depend on the uh, uh, climate for their flowering. So all these things, uh, all these uh, things are how uh, plants are getting affected. Uh, so the, the loss of your cold weather plants, like the fir trees and stuff, and your rhododendrons flowering earlier before the insects are ready to pollinate, just kind of messing up the entire um, plant ecosystem. Yes, messing up, and due to the warming weather, warming uh, climate, uh, plants which are more uh, resistant to hotter climates, they might uh, they might be the ones who uh, who take over, so to say. Take over. But exactly. extremely sensitive plants might uh, suffer. Th these are the possible impacts which might happen. You're listening to the Climate Hour. I'm your host, Bob Grove. We're speaking with R.G. Jetty and Purnima Agirikar about India's perspective on climate change. So in what ways do you think climate change is unique in India, Purnima? Actually, it's unique because India is, uh, is also the third largest emitter uh, of uh, of greenhouse gases mm -hmm. and it's also the most vulnerable uh, country because uh, because we are situated uh, if you look at the india's map uh, you know we are situated by oceans from almost three sides and and then we have the himalayas at the top and with the glaciers melting and uh, and as as we know that we are also the most populous country now uh, so, so you can imagine, like, uh, like the the, the uh, like the area is uh, less uh, less, uh, and the population is more. And plus, with all these uh, uh, impacts that we see, like glaciers melting and sea level rising, I think we are going to have a tough time uh, taking care of uh, this uh, this situation in India. So, so we have to really come up with uh, we have to come up with integrated, uh, you know, uh, develop, urban development because that is something which is uh, which is also adding or you know kind of accelerating the problems of climate uh, climate change or uh, or the impacts that we are seeing. So, in a way, uh, both the sides, India is 
uh, like India is contributing at both the sides. So if, even if we have to develop ourselves, we have to shift to renewables or look at technologies that can have lesser uh, carbon footprint and still uh, and uh, better livelihoods and uh, what you say, uh, better urban development or urban infrastructure so that everybody can be accommodated uh, easily. Yeah, that unique position of being surrounded by the ocean on three sides and then the Himalayas. I mean, it, it's, it's an isolated environment, but large. I mean, we talk about the United States being three times larger, but it's still a very large country. But your population, I mean, the, just the density of your population makes it makes it very unique. Um, Arjeet, what about you? What, what, what do you see unique about India's position in the climate crisis? I think looking at it from uh, ecological perspective, uh, most of like the most of the uh, northern hemisphere regions they are mostly uh, temperate and uh, more uh, colder. But India itself has so many different ecosystems. Uh, so uh, different parts of India will be affected differently by climate change. I think that is a bit uh, bit unique to India because uh, the glaciers melting in Himalayas. Yes, they will cause a lot of floods. But we are seeing uh, on the Western Ghats side uh, and in Central India, lots a lot of heat waves and uh, more fires which are caused by climate change. So uh, due to the high diversity in habitats, there will be like multiple impacts of climate change. What about sea level rise? I know you mentioned that, Purnima. Are you actually seeing sea level rise around areas of India? Yes. Yes. So people are uh, like like migrating from the coastal areas, the coastal communities, they they are migrating towards more central part of the uh, country. They are doing that, uh, especially towards uh, I think the West Bengal side. There we can uh, we can see these changes uh, quite a lot because uh, on the and now we also see uh, more cyclones on the western side of the uh, the country, which was not a normal uh, scenario up till I think just. Uh, in just last two three years, we have been we are seeing the frequency of cyclones have increased on the western side. Uh, so that is also causing you know uh, like livelihood destruction for people on the coastal sites. So they have to look at alternatives now and shift towards the interiors. So we're actually seeing population migrations because of the yes. what we call hurricanes, cyclones, um, sea level rise. That's that's happening today. That's not the future. No, no, yeah, it's. it's <laughs> you have almost a fifth of the world's population living within your country. How does India's population inform and impact climate policies? Based on the last climate change conference, the government has made a, a, a statement that it would try to reduce emissions by uh, uh, by twenty thirty or was it twenty fifty? It was 2070, actually, but yes, by 2030, and we do have some levels by 2030, then 2050. But uh, yes, largely it is by 2070, uh, we would be like carbon neutral or climate resilient. Uh, and one thing I am seeing is like, uh, at least for solar energy, uh, the government is trying to push it and uh, trying to bring out initiatives which uh, encourage the large part of population to uh, embrace solar energy because uh, because of the re reduced uh, pollution and emission. Twenty seventy, that seems too late. 
I mean, is, is there a perception that that's going to fix it? Or, or are people like you looking at going, man, we need to move quicker? Like, uh, actually, the, the, it was, um, I think it was just uh, some, uh, something that, uh, you know, we, we tried to uh, uh, give some kind of a date. That's what we, we feel that, you know, there, it, there was a pressure to give a date to go carbon neutral. And that is why we just mentioned that. But actually, uh, the, the national, uh, like nationally determined contributions, uh, which which uh, India signed during the Paris Agreement. So there, we do have plans for 2030, 2050. But the, the but uh, the problem is, as Arijit said, that you know, uh, still we are uh, very much still uh, looking at uh, you know uh, coal as as the main source of uh, energy. Uh, energy production, then solar, uh, the renewables, basically. So we have not yet uh, committed to phase out a coal, uh, coal as such. You know? So uh, though we do talk about uh, increasing our uh, solar, uh, like uh, the the solar pa- the solar PVs and wind energy, we are trying to do that. But uh, but we need to increase that, uh, like the. Uh, we need to shift uh, to the renewables uh, to uh, like to a maximum and and then and then whatever is surplus or whatever is you know uh, uh, extremely extremely important that can be uh, uh, on coal or other f- fossil fuel uh, energy but uh, but 80 percent of the energy should should uh, come from renewables but that doesn't look like from the uh, policies that we have. Uh, so you're still heavily dependent on coal for your energy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you do you know what the current balance is? I mean, you're shooting for like 80% renewables. Where are you at now? Where's India at now? It's it's almost it's less than 50%. It's less than 50. Yeah. Uh, renewable energy is a big one. What about um transportation? I know that's a big emitter in the United States. What's transportation like? Do you see a lot of automobiles or is there more mass transit in India? Pune, it is more now, uh, like at least in the city I live in, it's lots of people use vehicles and uh, two-wheelers and four-wheelers. Now, recently they have started a metro, which uh, happened after a long time and after a lot of uh, pauses. I think if people, and I have used it uh, sometimes, I think uh, if people do switch to that, instead of uh, four-wheelers, which are a massive polluter, there might be some uh, reduction in the overall like pollution, but uh, it has only just started, so it's a long way to go. Uh, I can't say for sure whether it will work, but uh, I think in like next five years we will come to know if uh, metro has worked. Pune does have a bus system, but uh, the regularity of it is a bit uh, patchy. Uh, uh, but uh, may, many people, especially uh, middle class and lower middle class people, do use the bus system. So that is uh, one thing. Yeah, I hope the metro thing works out. But uh, let's see how it goes. So, so the metro is a rail system. In some cities, yes. So even Delhi, especially as a Delhi, our capital, it has a good metro system which I've used and it is well connected. Um, Purnima, the train systems are they still primarily fossil fuel, diesel, or are you starting to see more electric trains? I think they are EV electric uh, electric trains, electric. Uh, but we do have a lot of EV uh, electric buses now. Um, 
like uh, the the pune uh, pune uh, does have does does plan to have uh, more of uh, evs uh, and electric buses uh, but metro i'm not i'm not sure i i don't i somehow missed it but uh, yes uh, a lot of focus is now on mass transit and uh, and that is electric uh, uh, like it's it's shifting to electric uh, vehicles but uh, but but it, uh, there's also a, 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 like it's it's really very uh, complicated uh, we also have like it's funny actually in pune we have flyovers and we also have metros on top of flyovers so it's like it's your choice so if you have a four wheeler or a two wheeler uh, which most of the people in pune have so they would definitely prefer to go by a flyover than going by a metro because again because for metro then you have to you know the the feeder systems for metro are not yet established well so if you are going by a metro then you have to get down and take another a uh, local transport like an auto rickshaw or some uh, some bus uh, some uh, some kind of vehicle to reach to your final destination so a person like most of the people in pune own private vehicles either a four wheeler or a two wheeler uh, so ev- every every puneite every uh, person has a two wheeler so he would definitely prefer to <laughs> go by the flyover than a metro so so we we uh, like uh, the when we we talk about sustainable transport we do say that okay if you have a flyover then probably it will be a good idea to not have a metro over a flyover okay let people use uh, the flyover and wherever there is no flyover there maybe a metro can you know uh, have a better provide a uh, sustainable solution so this is like it's really complicated the urban development we we don't understand where it is going uh, we we are also like we do talk about it that uh, something is really messy here yeah, so we're talking we're talking about freeways highways you know taking that that personal vehicle instead of getting on the metro and riding the mass transit we have the same issue in the united states people love their cars mostly four wheelers in the united states but you know it's just easier to jump on that and drive to your destination than it is to go to the train station and and get on the train but it's something we all need to need to work on for the environment RG? so i did find something about trends from economic times they said that 37% are diesel but uh, like uh, the others are electric the trains which are used so that is actually a good thing that most of them are electric So 37% are diesel you said so that means the majority is actually electric which is good. Yeah. Yeah. But then again India has lot of uh, power outages so when that happens <laughs> the whole system goes uh, into a mess but yes electric is definitely better than diesel and petrol for sure. The, also the electric charging happens on uh, fossil fuel based uh, uh, energy not a renewable energy so it's not a 100% solution. Yeah, and, and you know, even charging your electric vehicle from a fossil fuel power—that's still better for the environment because you know it's just more efficient. So the electric vehicle is good whether you have fossil fuel power or renewable power. India does have a lot of uh, hydropower, nuclear power is there, and some places in India, but uh, I don't think it's as big as coal or uh, hydroelectric. Let's talk about solutions a little bit. What what can India do about climate change? I mean, what is your direction, Purnima? 
we realize that as as even arijit said that you know india is uh, very unique they have different uh, ecosystems within the uh, within the country and so a very a localized uh, like what we are doing right now is conducting localized uh, vulnerability assessments uh, to understand which areas are more vulnerable and accordingly uh, derive local action plans local climate action plans we have national uh, action uh, climate action plans but uh, but uh, it's it's very difficult to even understand those plans and how to uh, implement those so uh, in order to implement them on ground we need local uh, climate action plans and one of the uh, assessments is vulnerability assessments at a micro level we do have vulnerability assessments at district level but uh, at micro level uh, it's it's required because again the micro conditions uh, microclimatic conditions are different than the overall country's uh, conditions and apart from that uh, we are also uh, looking at a lot of local initiatives uh, or like local technologies that are uh, that, that are already resilient or they have worked for the people in that area and uh, and they they have kind of uh, you know made themselves uh, resilient in a way so these local technologies are not being highlighted at the national level for some reason maybe because as i said that localized action is is something which is missing in our policies so we are trying to link these local initiatives to the national uh, national goals so i think that is one of the solutions to to upskill these local initiatives or to understand how they are helping uh, local climatic conditions and if they are helping then how can we upscale them or a kind of replicate them if it is possible in areas where people are not really doing much or they are not they are trying to find solutions thank you aj you're a science writer what kind of research are you seeing on climate change yeah so i am uh, i was recently uh, looking at uh, research on how uh, climate change affects uh, migration patterns of birds for example so uh, climate change impact on wildlife is one research aspect which is happening so i recently read a paper on uh, so india gets a lot of winter migrants uh, of birds uh, in the uh, during the winter months and climate change is actually affecting the timing of when they arrive Uh, due to the increased heat uh, in the winter it is causing them to change their timings and disturbing their cycle and how climate change is affecting the uh, poor communities uh, especially floods and all those uh, all those climate disasters how are they affecting so some uh, research is happening on the social aspect also but one thing i wanted to add about solutions is uh, i think education and awareness is important so as a nature educator and uh, environment writer uh, i try to uh, bring about awareness with respect to climate change environment uh, amongst the public so recently uh, i had conducted a session on how to calculate your own carbon footprint using a simple website and uh, some people had participated in that and like uh, i told them how to reduce their own emissions uh, by reducing like the electricity they use for example a simple thing is especially for urban people is uh, simple things like uh, putting full loads in your washing machine instead of half loads that is one thing which actually saves your electricity in indirectly you are actually uh, reducing the footprint actually i was in the us for one year and i found this traveling on foot thing very difficult <laughs> because uh, the roads there are not designed for uh, pedestrians but in india lot of people do 
do that traveling by foot and that is one simple way actually which you reduce transport emissions so yes education and awareness i think is uh, uh, one important aspect of uh, the more you educate the public uh, the more steps they will take i think particularly again with the population there's just so much so many people in india so if you adopt those those policies and, you know yeah. washing or walking those simple things that people can do that could have a huge impact in places like india especially i think uh, one educator one environment educator i was talking with made an interesting point that actually uh, the people who use the most ac or use the uh, most air conditioners people who use the most cars they are actually the rich uh, the richer section of society maybe they should be targeted more with respect to awareness uh, because they are the ones who might be causing the most kind of emissions so in the uh, like in the future yes hopefully uh, a change is brought about in there uh, which might uh, lead to the reduction in their own footprints yeah that that's very true i mean we talk about climate equity in the united states um that you know the rich have the largest carbon footprint and the poor suffer the most from it so that is something we all need to be aware of pornima Uh, regarding the awareness uh, sessions that he is talking about we do conduct uh, monthly awareness sessions on what could be a climate friendly lifestyle so there we do talk about carbon footprints individual carbon footprints but then the thing that we stress on is uh, there is very limited scope when it comes to individuals uh, we can have a lifestyle uh, we 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 can definitely walk or you prefer using a um, mass transit uh but then again it depends on uh, the individual sometimes it's not feasible for somebody to you know uh, take a bus or walk maybe uh, using his private vehicle is is the most uh, uh preferred option at that time so uh, there is very little that can be done at an individual level but yes it should be done but at the same time at the community level uh, we can uh, do a lot of things by demanding uh, better facilities or uh, like if i really like if i want to uh, if i should take a bus because a bus is a more ca- uh, climate friendly option then the buses should uh, should have uh, you know a specific time the frequency should be good then uh, th- there has to be less traffic on the road so that i reach on time so all these parameters should also be met at the same time so at the community level uh, we we uh, we kind of you know empower the uh, people to uh, take actions at the community level advocate for better policies uh, and demand for uh, uh, sustainable choices because unless the public demands i think uh, th- these things won't change the more uh, it's it's always like uh, our policies are governed or driven by people uh, uh, like whatever people demand uh, that's what we get so why not demand for green technologies or eco friendly lifestyles or better urban facilities urban infrastructure how can the world engage with india on climate big question yeah yeah it's it is actually but uh, but yes uh, the kind of infrastructure that we are looking at a lot of uh, funding uh, needs to be done overall the the global south is actually suffering and the global north uh, is uh, no conversation so i think uh, if it is possible then uh, in order to take care of the loss and damages i think uh, the world can probably contribute in funding the uh, the country for better practices better policies of course after reviewing but uh, that is what i see
Arjit, how, how do you see the world engaging with India to make things better? I think uh, bringing forth more partnerships for uh, reducing emissions. So, for example, methane treaty had happened recently. India, I don't think, is a part of it, which is not a good thing. But uh, taking forward these kind of uh, large, large level collaborations, and also uh, I think being I had a background in animal ecology research also. So, I think more collaborative research is needed on how climate change uh, affects the uh, habitats. Uh, I don't think uh, India has, is doing like a ton of research on that. Uh, some of it is happening, yes, uh, but uh, more research will only help us understand how it affects the environment and society better. So I think uh, I think in US and Europe, a lot more research has happened. So more collaborations between scientists of these regions uh, will also be more helpful. Thank you. Thank you both for joining us today. Where can our listeners go to learn more about your work? Vernima? INEC, I-N-E-C-C dot net. That's the, that's the one. And other one is Laya Resource Center. So the, there's a website for that as well. Uh, sure. And uh, and Samuchit Envirotech. So all these three organizations have their websites. They have, We are there on all the social media handles on Facebook. Uh, on Twitter, on Instagram, and also on LinkedIn. And we keep posting about our work uh, timely on these platforms. So we are also very uh, uh, connected uh, socially with everybody all around the world. Okay, thank you. Now, Jade, where can our listeners go to see some of your work? So, uh, yeah, I write a blog on nature uh, and environment. Uh, so it's called uh, footy and nature at uh, blogspot.com. On that website, I write uh, about my observations and thoughts on nature, especially uh, wildlife uh, and also environment. Okay, thank you. Thank you both. And thank you to our listeners. We welcome your questions and feedback. You can learn more about the Climate Hour at climatehour.net. That's climatehour.net. This is the Climate Hour. I'm your host, Bob Grove.